It's a huge privilege to, to be here. As Tim has said, we've caught up with Tim and Helen probably after about 10 years, I guess, of, of knowing, knowing them sort of from afar and really connected at Easter. And we've found it a, a huge uh, benefit in terms of their friendship and really feel that, um, that this, you know, f- f- in terms of their friendship, it's been a benefit. But I think by extension, we trust that we can get to know the church here uh, more. And, and we, I think, really feel that, that we'll be benefited by that. Um, we, we actually decided, just, to, just in terms of our family direction generally, to, to actually come to your conference in the summer, which would be a first for us. Uh, but we actually decided this back in probably January, um, and by a completely different route, we and connected up with Tim and Helen, which has been really nice, and then, as I say, um, by extension, the rest of you as well. So we live in Norfolk. Um, the connection with Epsom is that they've been fabulous to, a fa- to us as a family. So we've been to their sort of weekend away at Easter on the Suffolk coast each year. And uh, Tim was invited there this year, so that's where that connection came. Um, I've got a few slides. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly start off with them. And I, I do really feel the Lord's given me a word for, for you guys. Um, when I was asking, I was going to say this at the end, but since Simon's been talking about uh, the verse that says, Jesus hungered and he was looking for faith. He was looking for a response in the hearts of Israel as that picture unfolded. Um, and that's the key point, I think, that the Lord wants from us. He just wants a heart response. Um, and when I was praying about what the Lord's given me and just you obviously think through all of the verses and you, you, you think through different aspects and, and stuff and just quite, it might have even been this week, just came down, Lord, what, what is it you want to say? And I just felt him saying, I want these ones as my people. And I was going to say that at the end, but I just really felt to start off by saying, this is, this is the heart that God's got for you. He wants you as his people. And he's got a place of total abundance, total life, total freedom um, for you, a place of communion, a place of fellowship with Jesus, and he's got it prepared for you, and that's his heart for for you this morning. Um, The the passage that I want to really focus on is is from Mark chapter 1, and it's about uh, uh, the the man with leprosy being healed. If you've got your Bible, I've got it on here. Um, If you haven't got your Bible, uh, if you can see that. If you have got your Bible, it's in Mark chapter 1, and it's verse 40 down through to 45. And I'll just read it through now. It says, There came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and says, I will be clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned and charged him and forthwith sent him away and said, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way and show yourself to the priest and offer or bring near for your cleansing, those things which Moses commanded for a testimony to them. 
But he went out and began to publish it much and blaze abroad the matter, inasmuch that Jesus could no more openly enter the city, but was outside in the desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. And when the Lord put this on my heart as, as a sort of a passage to sort of think about, there was four things that, that came to me, and I sort of want to go through each one of them in turn. The, the, the first is the man's condition, um, his, his, his sickness, his, his leprosy. Um, the second one is how he then approached Jesus and what he, what he did, how, what his heart was like as he came to Jesus. And then I want to just look at his, his cleansing, the process of his actual, the way Jesus uh, spoke to him and actually made him free of his, his sickness. And then finally, his ongoing life. And I really believe this is a parallel, like a pattern um, for us as Christians as we seek to say, Lord, okay, you're hungry. What is it that you want me to bring you? And to, to, to understand this transformation of life that's just so powerful and wonderful and, and freeing and all that the Lord is. Um, I, I, I was reading uh, through Mark chapter 1. It, it, funnily enough, it was actually just a comment, just a, a passing comment Tim made when we were listening to him at Easter. And he just mentioned that Mark is often a gospel that sets forth Jesus, I, uh, something like that. And I just thought, you know, I'll, I'll go back and, and read through Mark again. And it was as simple as that. And, and really, it took me a, quite a while to get through Mark chapter 1. And really, that's where this came from. But I, I just came to see that just in the very first chapter of Mark, it sets out some foundational patterns. Um, Jesus subjects himself to the baptism of John. You know, that might mean something to you or not, but he didn't just bypass it. He wanted to fulfill all of God's heart. And if it doesn't mean anything, I'm sure there's, you can discuss that later. Um, there's also a verse that really jumped out at me where Jesus says, come you after me. And, and we interpret that in English as come and follow me. But there's more to it than that. He come and be after the pattern of my life. And these things started to get hold of my heart. And I think this particular bunch of verses really gives us a pattern as to how we're to approach Jesus and how we're to know this transformation of life, which we, which we love. Okay, so his condition. He had leprosy. And I had to go away and look up a little bit about leprosy. Um, but I really believe it's a picture of sin. I, I was sort of thinking, why leprosy? Why, why put this story here in this chapter that seems to be foundational? Why, why leprosy? And I began to look a little bit about it. And if you, um, I don't suggest you particularly Google it because it's, it's a bit sad, really. Um, but I, I had a quick look about the different things because I'm a little bit naive sometimes on these things. But... It's, a, it's a, a, a disease that's blighted the human race for thousands of years, and so is sin. And it's actually caused, I didn't realise this, but it's caused by a bacterial infection. And I had no idea, but it can be harboured in, in, inside your body for, for years without any symptoms. But eventually it breaks out in, the, in your flesh, in your body, and you end up with sores and, and things in your flesh, in your actual body, it breaks out in the end. And sin does that. Sin's in seed form in us. And sometimes we can go and have a life that's set around the things in our hearts, whether it's unforgiveness, we talked about unforgiveness this morning, whether it's depressions, whether it's lusts, whether it's whatever it is. We can dress things around them and keep them within. 
but eventually they'll destroy. That's exactly what leprosy does. It destroys the nerves and, and, and that can cause then damage because you can't feel pain um, and it'll destroy the body eventually. And so does sin. Um, it can be cured, leprosy, and so can sin. And apparently you can relapse. And so you can with sin. So I think it's a real picture And it says, if we read the account in Luke's Gospel, this man was full of leprosy. What was in his body wasn't now just hidden away. It wasn't just in seed form. It had broken out into his flesh. It was like, what do I do now? How do I deal with this? And he was was full of leprosy as he came to Jesus. And I think when we look at the parallel in our own lives and we realise that there's things in our our flesh, the outworking of our life day by day, that are not right. We've got three choices, I think. I think some people adjust things to accommodate the fact that they they know things aren't right. They know they get frustrated all the time, or they get this or that, or there's unforgiveness, as we talked about, or whatever it is. They know it's there, but they sort of accommodate it somehow. And they maybe even adjust what they believe in the Bible. They kind of know what to believe, but it can be adjusted so, so that this pattern of life can be accommodated. And there's another option where, particularly I think I would recognise this in my own life, where you become quite intense over repeated repentance, constantly coming to the Lord with a sense of sort of failure and, and, and thinking, how do I get into a real life of Jesus that then gets me into a place where I can never sit, commit, commit sin again? Um, and you become quite intensive over repentance, constant re- repentance and, and coming back to the Lord, trying to find a, a new entrance in and a, and a better way. So, frankly, I can live on my own, free from sin. And that's not right either. Or you can come, as this man did, and come to Jesus and bring the very thing that's broken out in your flesh to him and allow him to deal with it and allow him to give you an ongoing life of communion with himself. So that was his condition. You can't argue with it. It's broken out in his flesh. That's where the rubber hits the road. Okay? So his approach, how did he approach Jesus? What was his heart? What had he seen? Um, The verse in Mark, it says, "Um, There came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you will, you can make me clean. He first of all recognised his need and admitted his need. That's, I think, one of the first things, places we've got to come to. And he knelt down. He came to the point before the Lord where, Lord, no ifs, no buts. It's just you. This is down to you now. I, I, I'm giving up my trying. This is, this is just down to you. I'm not trying to argue my extenuating circumstances that I'm under a whole load of pressure and I'm really, really tired in my body. And, you know, all of these circumstances that, frankly, I, I don't know what your life's like. I don't know what circumstances you've got, but I know Jesus is able to make his life manifest in those circumstances. Um, But he came and he knelt down. Now, you'll have to bear with me on this one, um, because I want to look at the passage in Matthew, um, and I want to just look at the the, the tenses, if you look at the, the linguistics of it. And I've just got a Bible that I've got some little 
sort of notes that are quite helpful on this. So if we flip over, because Mark says there came a leper. Mark's always writing in the immediate. That was Mark's style. If we flip over into Matthew chapter 8 and pick up the story, it says, Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him. But if in, in this particular helpful little sort of Bible, you've got some little marks and notes. And, and actually the translation could be or, or needs to be read in the English that a, a leper, having come to Jesus, was worshipping. Can you sort of see the, the sense there? The, 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 the having come to Jesus had happened. That had happened at a point in time. It was, it was a historic event. He'd already come to Jesus. Now, we're not told the time scales. I don't know that that really matters because something in his heart had already come. It had already been decided, I am coming to Jesus, and he had done it. That action had been completed. Now, I'm no great linguist, but it just happens that I've looked it up. That's known as the aorist tense. If that would mean anything to you, it didn't to me either until I looked it up. It's just basically a point in time that's happened. But when you come on to and worshipped him, the tense there is a continuation in the past. So this is a man who wasn't just an off-the-cuff response. It wasn't just a, a random event that he sort of happened to see Jesus on the road. There is another story where Jesus healed ten lepers in Luke 17, and they stood afar off. They didn't come and worship, but Jesus still had compassion on them. He'll always have compassion. And their hearts weren't for worship. Only one of them ever came back and said thanks. But this man was different. This man had come to Jesus and was worshipping. If you flip over and look at the account in Luke, uh, chapter 5, it says the same thing. This is Luke chapter 5, and in verse 12 it comes... And this it says, when he came to a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, again, it's the same, this thing called aorist, a point in time that's happened. He saw Jesus. There's something about Jesus that he saw. And he'd, he'd already done it in his heart. His heart had already gone through this situation. And there's something he saw that that man can deal with my condition. And yet, when he came to Jesus, his condition wasn't his primary focus. He was worshipping, continuation. He was engaged in worship. He was a worshipper. I don't know about you. I, I'm, I'm, in fact, I think I do know about you. I think you're worshippers. I think you have come to Jesus already, and you're worshipping. Um, This, this point about his condition not being his primary focus is utterly key. Because I know in my life, I have in the past not, full, not, not come into all the fullness of God because I've been so conscious of my own past failure. And this man was focused on worship. He was aware of his condition. He knew it had to be dealt with, but he was focused on worship. And that's the place you need to come. When we come to the Lord, um, 
conscious of our own performance in the Christian life, we'll, we'll, we won't enter into all of his fullness because we're effectively focusing on our own selves. Does that make sense? What is the basis on which you come to the Lord? What's the basis? When you, I just want to look up in, in Philippians chapter 3. And here Paul is sort of outlining that he had a life in all of the religious fullness of the Jewish tradition and pattern. Um, but he says then that whatever, he calls it righteousness, whatever rightness with God that I had because of all those patterns and traditions, I've counted them but loss. And he says in verse eight, let's pick it up. Doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, and or something that's to be thrown out. It could be translated awful. Um, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but that, sorry, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through my faith in Jesus. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say it's because of my faith in Jesus. It says it's my righteousness is through the faith of Christ. In other words, Jesus put his faith in the Father and gave his life up for you. And because of his faith, you are made righteous. And it's upon that basis that I've got to come and approach Jesus. It's upon that basis that I've got to worship him. Not because I've responded to him and now I've found the way of living the Christian life successfully, but because of the faith of Jesus. And it must be on that ground that you come. It must be. You can look up, let's look it up briefly now. Romans chapter 3. It says the same thing. In verse 21, But now the righteousness of God outside of the law is made evident, manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ. Can you, can you see that? Can you, as this man saw Jesus, can you see Jesus for you this morning has made you righteousness, be, righteous because of his own faith? It's not dependent upon you. It's not dependent upon your past, your performance. It's, we have, there's only, the only thing we can do is have a response of heart that agrees with it. I see you, Jesus. I see you. I see that you, because of the faith that you have already outworked and done and finished, have made me righteous. And I can come to you and worship and kneel down and say, if you will, Lord. And the Lord's heart is so willing. And yet the man, almost it's as if he, if the answer had been, I'm not willing, he would have still worshipped. His condition himself wasn't the focus. He'd seen this Jesus that had made him righteous and he came and worshipped him. Can, can you approach 
the Lord like that this morning? Can you see Jesus who's made you righteous because of his own faith? Can you see it? Can you move to him, worship him? Let's have a look at his cleansing. It says, Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him. And he says, I'm willing. Be clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. The spoken word of Jesus instantly made him clean, made him free of all of the condition that had was, was, was coming against his life, that was, was blighting his life and had worked out in his flesh and he was clean. What an ecstasy. What a wonder. Have you ever known the ecstasy of coming to the Lord and just knowing that you are throughly, inside and out, clean, no more sin, no more of the thing that you, uh, this thing, whatever you're identifying in your own life that's broken out in your day-to-day living that you can't deal with and you're free and you're one with Jesus and it's, there's an ecstasy. I know in my life that I've, I've known, and there's significant times, there's not lots and lots of them, there's, I can probably identify maybe three particular times when God has just come and touched me and I have walked on a cloud for about three weeks or more. But the key is the next bit. Let's just deal with this cleansing first. As soon as he had spoken, immediately he was clean. But the ecstasy of the entrance is not the final destination. When we're talking about God being hungry and there being this place for you of fullness, it's not the ecstasy of an entrance into things. Now, I've got a little quote. We've already had Oswald Chambers once this morning. What's happening there? There we go. This is from my utmost to his highest. Have I got my finger over it or something? Why is that not? Where have I got to point that? There we go. We mistake the ecstasy of our first introduction to the kingdom for the purpose of God in getting us there. I know I've done that. I don't know about you. His, I've put in the word real. His real purpose is that we may realise that all that full identification with Jesus brings. And this is where we come on to his ongoing life. Now, I don't know. Um, these are the verses there. I, 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 looked, I looked at these verses. I thought, I was thinking about them. Because, you know, we, we've read the, the story. Um... Let me just find it in Mark again. You've got it there behind me. Do you think the man was right or wrong in going and telling everybody what Jesus had done for him? I mean, what, what else would you do if you're in this ecstasy that Jesus has made? I mean, imagine this leprosy is full and Jesus has made you healed. What, what else would you do? And yet he'd done the exact opposite of what Jesus told him. I mean, how was that right? I, I, I don't know the answer. I mean, was Jesus annoyed that he then couldn't go outside anywhere because everybody was thinking, wow, this is amazing. I really want a piece of the action, as it were. It says there's another verse in Mark somewhere that talks about 
they didn't even have the leisure to eat. They were so hard pressed. You know, we, we, we think we're busy, but he didn't even have the, 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 the space to eat with his disciples. I, I don't know the answer. We're not, we're not told whether he then went and did what Jesus said as well. But Jesus very clearly says, don't say anything to anybody. Go and show yourself to the priest. And he's the exact opposite. Well, I, I don't know, kind of, um, I, I can't answer why or whether he was right or wrong. But what I've thought about is, why was it that Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest? What was he alluding to? And if we think about this as a sort of a pattern, what, what was it that Jesus wanted to sort of us, us to see? And um, we, we need to, effectively, I think, if, if the man had, had only, as I say, we're not told if he then went and, and did what Jesus said as well, but if he only went and told people, what would his testimony be? Yeah, Jesus has, has healed me. You know, this morning he, 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 I had leprosy and now I, I'm completely clean. And the next day, Jesus has, has taken my leprosy. Yesterday I was completely full of leprosy and now I'm, look at me. I'm prob- and the following week, it was like, well, last week Jesus came and he healed me. And last month, last year, 30 years ago, Jesus came and healed me. And I think Jesus is saying what he wants you to have is a living testimony a testimony of the life of Jesus that's working in the present tense continually. And Jesus never bypasses stuff. He never sort of says, I'm here to have a new, a new movement or something. He was there to fulfill all the heart of God. And I, I've said, I believe the heart of God for you this morning is for you to know the fullness of his presence. And that's what Jesus was after. He wanted to fulfill all of the stuff that was around the sacrifices and the law of Moses was a shadow of God's heart. Okay, it was only a shadow, but it was still of God's heart, a shadow. And Jesus wasn't about to sort of say, right, let's bypass all of that, we're going to do something new. He was saying, I'm here to fulfill all of God's heart in you today. And his heart is that I have communion with you. And so to get us an understanding of what it was Jesus was asking him to do, we've got to go back to Leviticus chapter 14. What have I got on here? Yeah, bring near an offering as a testimony. That's, that's the way it renders it in, in the Mark uh, account. Where's Leviticus gone? I've got to confess, I'm not going to major on this too much. There's one aspect of it I want to pull out. I had to read this about ten times over a period of a few weeks to get any idea of what was going on. Um, But it's an account of the law of the leper. So if someone with leprosy, to be cleansed, if they realised that it was no longer in their skin, to be kind of properly brought back into the community, they had to go through this process. It was just what Moses had put down in the law. And there's a, there's a fair bit to it. It's actually, it's actually quite fabulous if you spend time trying to understand it. And I won't go through it all in detail now, but the first chunk of it, on the first, this whole process took eight days. And eight is the, the number in the Bible of new things, new beginnings. And, but on the first day, he was to bring two birds. And one was made a, a sin offering and the other was released. And that, if you want to look it up, I think speaks of the Day of Atonement, where Jesus has dealt with sin and don't have such a, a hard time on atonement in the old testament okay it was a covering up but it was still a dealing with sin in the in the measure in which it could be 
and that that element is contained in what Jesus did. There's more, but he also dealt with sin. Um, so that, I think, speaks of atonement. And then it says, after seven days, he was to come again, and he was to bring offerings. Jesus says, bring near your offerings as a testimony to the things I've done, as a testimony to the priests, and as a testimony to the people that you've gone out and blazed the matter abroad to. This is to be your testimony. Um, and the, the thing I really want to focus down to is that that offering consisted of, in this particular law of the leper, three elements. And it, it, it comes up in verse 19, Leviticus 14, 19. It says, the priest shall offer a sin offering and a burnt offering. And in the old, in my Bible here, in the Old English, it's called a meat offering, which is actually quite confusing, because, again, I had to look this up, but a meal offering is a better translation. It was, it was, there wasn't any blood involved, so to call it a meat offering is, to modern English, a bit confusing, because it wasn't any animal sacrifice or blood involved. It was, it was a meal it was meat in the sense of the old English word being my meat and my drink. You know, I'm having a meal with you. Now, see if you can get your head around this, because it's quite wonderful. This is not a brilliant representation, okay? So if you're struggling, that's an altar and that's fire, all right? <laughs> um, now, the first thing they had to do was bring the sin offering. You can't bypass stuff with God. You have to have an understanding that Jesus has dealt with my sin. He's dealt with that thing that I'm bringing to him in worship, saying, Lord, make me clean. He's dealt with it. Your righteousness depends upon his faith. You can't bypass it. The interesting thing was, on top of this sacrifice, with the same fire, they then had the burnt offering. And this wasn't to deal with sin. This was a sacrifice that was completely consumed, all burnt up. And was it Simon or Tim, already this morning, saying, was it Tim? We've got to give ourselves completely. It was he, wasn't it? Everything. No idols. Was it? I'm, I'm losing the plot. It was Simon. Sorry, thank you. We've got to give everything. No idols. Nothing that's more important. This is one of the stages of the ongoing life that this speaks to us of. We are to be all given, all consumed. And then finally, on the top of that, there was this meal offering. And that's when there's communion. We were to share a meal with the priest. And we're to bring our lives to Jesus after he's come and he's healed us and he's made us free in the way that he's made us, in the way all that he's done for us, in all of that ecstasy. Now you're to build upon this altar these things daily. Particularly, there's another offering that's, that's referred to, the peace offering which is where we get our breaking of bread from. And that was made on the top. And that was a daily sacrifice. They couldn't keep that over to the next day. And when you say God's hungry, he's prepared a meal on top of these things, on top of the sin that's been dealt with, on top of the all-consuming, I'm all given. Now there's a meal prepared and God's waiting for you there to eat with you daily. Now I don't know about you, but I'm 
I think we're going to have a picnic in a couple of hours' time. And we'll probably go home then, drive back to Norfolk, and we'll probably have some tea, dinner, I think, down here. Tomorrow I'll wake up and have some breakfast. I'll probably be pretty hungry if I don't eat for three days. But then sometimes I get busy. And I really let the Lord down. And the Lord's waiting there for his meal. He's hungry. Um, it was done in that order. Sin forgiven, all consumed, and communion. And that's the daily offering that the Lord's got. Now, I just want to finish with Hebrews chapter 10. Oh, this is, this is wonderful. In verse 11, it says, Every priest stands daily ministering and off, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which are only a shadow. They can't really take away sin. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin and for life, you see, gone, let me go back one. From this, this bit, for sin, once sin had been dealt with, that was for living, communion, knowing the wonder of God, knowing the fellowship with God, that was for life. And Jesus has made one sacrifice in himself for sin and for life. Are you eating of it every day? Are you living in it every day? This is the place as my people they just flip back into chapter 8 of, of uh, Hebrews. One of these passages we get of the new covenant, it says, I'm going to be merciful to their unrighteousness. I'm not going to remember anymore the iniquity. And it says, they shall be my people and I'll be their God. And I've got this way for them that I want them to live in because it's full. And then let's get to our last our last bit. Um, having therefore, I hope you can see in this little passage the principles that we've just gone through. Having therefore boldness to enter. Boldness because he and his faith has made me righteous. It's not dependent on my performance. It's not dependent on me. It's not dependent on anything. I worship him because he's made me, not because he's made me righteous, but it's his faith that's made me righteous. I am bold to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. The blood that speaks. You know, Jesus spoke to the man and he was physically healed. And his blood speaks to you spiritually. And you're clean. And the man was bid to fulfill the law of Moses. And now you're bid to fulfill the law of Jesus. Um by a new and living way which was consecrated to us through the veil that is to say his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Bring your sacrifices, bring your gifts. Come and show God every day from the pages of your life and flesh the cleansing that Jesus has, has, has done in your body. Can you do that? Can you come to the priest, the great high priest God, and come and say, look, Look at what you've done in my life, in the very pages of my flesh. Look at what you're doing. I might have circumstances that think I'm going to be fried in a, in a week. 
but look at what God can outwork in my circumstances because you've done this in me and you're living in me and I can come back and offer to you the very life that you've given me. Having, uh, having full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I don't know whether this morning you need cleansing. If you do, approach Jesus, worship him, come and meet him, be honest with him. I don't know whether you feel like your life isn't really a continual offering. Well, if it's not, come to Jesus. <laughs> come and worship him. Put your arms around him. Drink of his sacrifice. Drink of his life. Drink of all those elements that he's done in one sacrifice. I don't know where you are, but wherever you are, respond to him. Move to him. See him. Love him. And give him all that he's hungry for. Amen. I'm broken. 